0: Welcome to the No Film School podcast. This is Gigi Hawkins. And in my years since pivoting into filmmaking, the thing I found most difficult is finding tactical, actionable advice. Like, what do you actually need to do to take a project to the next stage, to talk about it in a way that resonates with people, or to make an idea a reality? This week, I speak with the founders of the Moonshot Initiative, Katrina Medoff and Tracy Sayer, who founded a nonprofit that promotes gender equity by creating opportunities for women and non-binary people to bring their leadership talents and stories to the forefront of this industry. And the conversation is universal to anyone who wants to make TV or movies. Because last year, I was part of this organization's pilot accelerator program, and I got to pitch my show to HBO, Netflix, Blumhouse, and a ton of other places. And the program not only was incredibly fruitful for my career, building my network, etc., but it was so tactical, like brass tacks down to the point of, one example, is in a pitch. Here are a few ways that you can transition from small talk to the pitch itself. It was so refreshing, especially in this career that can be so intangible. Their grounded guidance was a godsend. Katrina and Tracy's work via the Moonshot Initiative, which was formerly called the Women's Weekend Film Challenge, has been featured in Deadline, Variety, the Cinematographer Guild's magazine, to name a few. And in our conversation, we explore how screenwriters, directors, and pretty much anyone who wants to be involved in this can be iterating and creating in tangible, productive ways. So let's dive in. Welcome Katrina and Tracy to the No Film School podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so
1: much for having us. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Okay, so I've known you two for... I've known your faces for a lot longer than you've known mine because I've been following (laughs) Women's Weekend Film Challenge, formerly the former name of this organization. But what I've never asked is, you know, what is your meet cute? How did you
2: two start working together? Well, we met over a plate of hummus. (laughs) as you do
1: <laughs> cuter than i we're thought both it would at be. A...
2: <laughs> we were both at a networking event and we're like ooh free food let's go there and our friendship just flourished over that we we found out that we were on the same subway ride home and so subway line home and so we rode together and my husband actually was the one that he's really good at following up so he reached out to Katrina and so he's the one that we thank for starting
1: our women's gender
2: equity organization.
1: (laughs) I think our first friend date was I came with you guys to like some like farm share thing or something like that. It was very on brand since Tracy's vegan. But but yeah, we I mean, we became friends and we started working on projects together, our independent stuff. And then we ended up when we started our organization, you know, we had both been working as independent filmmakers in New York for years. And I think just saw the need for, I don't know, like I was, I was acting, I was writing, I was producing. I kept being on all of these sets where I, as the actor would be like the only other woman other than the makeup artist on set. And I think Tracy had a very similar experience but we also were part of all of these like women's film groups and knew that there were a lot of women and non-binary filmmakers out there who just weren't getting to like the same level as their male peers, even though they deserved to be. So our initial program that we started, Women's Weekend Film Challenge, was really to combat that and to, to uplift, you know, all of these filmmakers who deserve to be uplifted. Yeah,
2: you posted on a Facebook group asking if anyone would want to make a film in one weekend with women in every role of production, and nearly three hundred people responded in ten hours. Wow! Saying comments like "I've been in the business for fifteen years and I've never worked with a female director," or "I I don't even know if there's female composers out there, but I would love to work with them." And I was reading all these comments, and I reached out to Katrina. I was like, "This is going to be amazing. I need to help you." Wow.
0: Okay. So it it just sounds like a very organic unfolding, both from a you two developing a partnership, but also the the film challenge being a a thing that people just gravitated towards. And and I can't remember exactly the first time. I think I I heard about it and then I was interviewing somebody to be an A D for my very, 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 very first short. And, and this person wasn't available, but she said, I just worked with a woman named Renata Soros. And she was the, an AD for the first time on this project that this woman directed. And she was like, and she was fantastic. Like she's green in, in the grand scheme of things, but she was fantastic. And then Renata became the AD on my first short and my second short. And I cast her in little sketches for my film school stuff. And she was fantastic. And it was all because of this group and this community that you guys organized and fostered.
2: I love hearing that story so much. And I actually worked with Renata on the film challenge. I directed one of the films on the second film challenge. And Mm -hmm. I was the director. She was my AD. And she was incredible to meet on the film challenge. Yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to Renata.
1: (laughs) Tracy and I as we grew this, it was really built out of like, what kind of program would we want as filmmakers? And so I participated in the first one. She participated in the second one. We've had five now. So like we haven't participated since we just, you know, we wanted to see what it was like on the other side. And I think we've both, you know, developed longstanding friendships and stuff from that, which is really cool. But what the film challenge is now, what it's grown into We basically, we get hundreds of applications from filmmakers in every role of production. And we put together teams of strangers so that when you're on set, you meet a woman or a non-binary filmmaker in every role of production that you can hire and refer later on. Like you are in the trenches with this group. You get to know them really well. You understand how they work. We have a pre-pro meeting where everyone gets to know each other for the first time. And then on the Thursday of the challenge, we draw a different genre out of a hat for each team, and give a prop that they have to include. And then they they write it Thursday night, shoot it Friday, Saturday, do all the post production Sunday, and then about a week and a half later, we have a premiere screening for all the films. And we provide all of the cinema quality gear, courtesy of our sponsors, location permits, production insurance, stipends to submit to film festivals, all that. So. It's really been cool to see how it's like, as you said, it was very organic, how it grew. And it definitely grew out of what we wanted to be participating in.
2: A lot of the developments that we enacted were as a direct result of the surveys that we would have at the end of every film challenge, people Mm -hmm. would say production insurance. And so we would spend the next few months getting production insurance. And then they would say, we need access to better equipment. So then for the next challenge, we would have better equipment. And it was always... We always tried to respond to our participants. Another way that you two have been
0: very responsive is when COVID happened, you were able to pivot the the organization into a totally different space and created a community, which again, like I think I just was following very peripherally, but then it became, you know, one of the places that I continued to revisit. I joined the Patreon. I I just was very impressed with the content that was coming out.
1: And was that by design or did you guys choose to, or by necessity? I mean, so we had had, before COVID hit, we had had three challenges in New York, one in LA. That one in LA, by the way, it was in February, 2020. We had a screening for 400 people in the first couple of days of March. It's just lucky looking back that that wasn't like a super, super spreader, but spreader. it wasn't even really... You know, it wasn't really even in in the news as much. It was only like a week or two later that it really, really hit, you know? So we got very lucky that we were able to launch in, in LA at all, but we did that. And then, you know, we're back home and suddenly everybody's at home and we can't film anymore. We can't plan for our next film challenge. We have no idea what's happening. But we also realized that all of the you know big name directors and showrunners and producers and actors and cinematographers all that they were all at home too and stuck and doing nothing so we started our virtual workshop series as a way to kind of like bring these people into our our community's like living rooms essentially and that they would get opportunities to you know receive feedback from these amazing amazing women on their work samples and I don't know. A lot of people said it helped keep them sane through COVID. And our response mm-hmm. to that is it kept us completely sane too, because yeah. we had somewhere to just throw our energy. There's and we like, had no okay.
2: connections when we started this. Yeah. Um, we, I think we just wrote emails, cold emails to about 50 directors that we admired. And I think Susan Johnson was the first one that responded. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we interviewed her. And it was amazing, the audience response to it was amazing. And after we got that one interview down, the yeses started rolling in and we had such big people on our um, roster. We had Alma Harrell, who directed Honey Boy. We had Katherine Hardwick, who directed the Twilight series, the first one, I think. And it was just incredible getting access to these people that always just felt like unattainable legends to be yeah. invited into their living rooms and watching like their cat walk across the screen and realize these are just normal people. They just worked hard. They didn't say no. And it inspired our whole community and us. And it just kept us going.
0: One thing that I think differentiates these 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 workshops and this content, which I think is just such a wonderful thing to have access to, If you're an emerging filmmaker, if you're somebody who goes to film school or who doesn't go to film school, and and I'd say there's there's pretty much only one other organization, which is the Working Writer School run by Charla Loriston. It is is how tactical and getting into the the details about how to have a career in this space. Those conversations are, and I'm curious how you how you curate those conversations, how you lead them
1: set them up in a way that they are so um, career-oriented? I think a lot of it is just asking what we're curious about and what we really want the answers to. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many times that I read like a celebrity memoir and it talks about their time as a little kid and those funny stories. And then it's like, boom, they're famous. Maybe it has like a chapter where they're like, I struggled at the beginning. But there's never that bridge. There's never the like nitty gritty of how did you get to the first step? And then, okay, so how did you then get to the next step? And everyone's story was totally different. I mean, there were people who had like an entire different life and career and then they pivoted. There were people who worked up every single rung of the ladder in, in you know on the set, on the film set. There were people who had kind of had a big break and then they had to figure out how to keep up the momentum. So everyone had like a totally different story. But I think, yeah, I think we just really wanted to know that nitty gritty ourselves too.
2: Yeah. And I would also say like, I learned from the doing the film challenge, never be afraid to ask questions. You can't just walk into every room and assume that that you know the answer. When we have our film challenge, people are coming from so many different backgrounds and we really try to make it a safe space to ask questions. And I've heard people say that they've been in the industry for a few years and they never knew why something was done a certain way and it was just because they they were in a space that they could finally ask that question and when we go to our virtual workshops sometimes Katrina and I are working out our questions and I think like oh maybe this question's not going to make us look like experts in the field but I always have to get over that ego and say like all right I want everyone to be on a level platform, understand this base knowledge. And sometimes the answers really surprise me because I think that I'll know something and then I'll, I'll realize after hearing the um, audience, the guest's answer, like, oh wow, I really didn't know the answer to that. And I love learning that. The, the next progression of
0: this amazing collaboration that has benefited so many people, including myself, is the, the Pilot Accelerator. So, so you two launched a pilot accelerator in twenty twenty two. Was that the first year? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. And and does that make me cohort number two? Right. Is that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Math is not my strong suit, but I'm working on it. And I and I remember I remember seeing it. I applied, didn't get in the first time, and you know was fortunate to be included in the next one. But one of the one of the things that I think is so was so powerful about the experience is one, you created a workshop about pitching. And, and let's get into pitching after after we sort of give a context of what the pilot accelerator was. You provided a workshop about pitching best practices from the learnings of the first pilot accelerator led by the members of that first cohort. Uh, again like community immediately turning around and reinfusing knowledge and support within that community and then the second time around i was so impressed by every stage of the process the value added to the people who were participating and i want to call this out specifically because i have been on the other side of, of an organization like i worked at at a nonprofit where I was supporting people to come into a project market. I've also applied to like the Sundance Labs and all of these things. And so often you're just putting something into a... You're pressing submit and then you're like, well, maybe I'll hear, maybe I won't. But what you guys were doing, which I thought was really powerful, was at every stage as people were progressing, you were celebrating people who were making it as Quarterfinalists and semifinalists publicly on social media, so people people could be celebrated for these milestones. You also were creating spaces for people to come together and uh, and network on on Zoom. And you were also creating at every stage a what feels like a teaching tool. You know, for example, I think this at at the second round we had to submit a one minute and thirty was it under two minutes a two minute pitch a pure elevator pitch which i remember sitting there recording and 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 recording maybe like six different versions and i finally got it and then and then i came away with an elevator pitch which i can then pitch to anyone else and so the thoughtfulness of how you crafted that just the application process was so powerful and so cool and i think just something that like i've never seen or experienced before so I just want to call out that positive that positive experience and like if you're on the other side of things how you can be thinking about adding value to people who are putting a considerable amount of time including writing on spec which takes months of work into this. But but what was the genesis of the of creating a pilot accelerator?
2: So again, it was a very organic progression. We were hosting the virtual workshops, and the most popular ones by far were anything having to do with television. When we had a showrunner, a um, someone in the writer's room, so many people attended those workshops and they all had the same question. How do I get into the writer's room? How do I pitch my show, my ideas? And we realized that our audience had these ideas, but they didn't have the connections. And we were slowly building those connections through our work with studios and production companies. And so we decided, why don't we just put our vetting skills to use in looking at pilot scripts, have people submit them, we'll read them, get a, a panel of judges to read them as well, and teach, select several fellows, teach them how to pitch perfectly, put them in front of. We were trying to think holistically, what do people need in order to not only pitch, but also be set up for a great career? And we thought, okay, we need an entertainment lawyer to give them advice on the on the pitch meeting. We need them to pitch in front of a showrunner to get that feedback. A development executive. We had a um, speech coach come on and help our guests, our fellows, really work on selling their pitch using their heart and soul as well. Shout out to Samara Bay. Yeah, she was incredible. So yeah, we, well, Katrina, you've, you finished this off. <laughs> I'm rambling.
1: So yeah, just to like sort of go back, I guess, to the application process that you were speaking to. I mean, we are getting 700, you know, applications for around round and, and by the time, you know, people get to that quarter finalist phase, it really starts being about, you know, taste and are there are are they ready and and just kind of really getting to that like final step so we really thought like all of these people who who are at this level like we want to be celebrating them and we want to be you know making sure that they're getting something out of this too and so i'm really glad to hear that like the elevator pitch was helpful for you as you were going through it but we have you know a networking event for all of our semifinalists so that they can like meet and we have all of our Semi-finalists get read by showrunners and EPs. And that really helps us, you know, decide, you know, who to move forward. We have interviews with the finalists. So by the time we get to our fellows, like we have a really amazing group that we feel really great about. You're all, I don't know, it was like crazy because after the first after the first accelerator, we're like, we had such a great group of fellows. Like, is that, I don't know. Can we make that happen again? Is that, is that just magical? Yeah, I- <laughs> And then we had like an amazing group for our second group too. And we're like, okay, like we just, I don't know. We just have a great community. These are just amazing people and really, really talented writers. And so at the end of the accelerator, which Tracy was saying, we have, you know, them go through all of these different workshops and, and pitch their project to so many different types of people and get feedback. Then we have pitch week. So we have companies on board, including HBO and Netflix and Hulu and Showtime to hear pitches from our fellows. Our fellows all got a whole bunch of pitches to to companies, to production companies and representatives. And yeah, you guys pitched right before the strike hit. So I don't know how much follow-up <laughs> you got to do right after. But you know, it, it has been cool, especially with you know, now seeing our first group of fellows a couple of years down the line to see like what's been happening with yeah. their careers. And yeah, we're excited to follow you guys too.
0: One of the things that stood out to me, and I'd also love to hear what stands out when you're reading these applications. But one of the things that stood out to me was, I think Katrina, you're saying, wow, I read so many scripts this year of like an influencer waking up and like recording their routine. And then I was like, God damn it! I wrote that too. Like not in the thing that ended up being in the in the accelerator, but I was like, "Yep, I wrote that scene," and I thought I was brilliant. And I think the year before that, you were like, "There was a hella true crime stuff," and and so yeah. What has been what what stands out like when you're reading a a, a pilot that you're considering?
2: I always say that after I read the script, if later that night when I'm scrolling through Netflix, I try to find that script cuz in my mind I've I've already watched it. That means it's an excellent script cuz oh, wow. you just want to keep watching it if it really feels like a real show after reading it. That's what stands out to me.
1: I for sure had that too. Where you like you want to watch episode 2 and you're like, "Wait, this doesn't exist. This doesn't exist yet, but, but I should. want episode 2." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to your point like yes, we had so many you know, we will have certain things that we'll get like a ton of, like you said, the influencers who are live streaming their their perfect life. And then it, it scrolls, it zooms out and their life is a mess. It doesn't matter like what type of influencer they are. It's all like that. And they're all moving back to their hometown. You know, we <laughs> had that, but like we also, and we had a lot of true crime podcasts, but like, I will say, if you do it well, like you can still do it, right? So we did have, Despite all of these influencer scripts, there was an influencer script that moved to our finalist round in our first in our first accelerator, and yeah. we had gotten a lot of true crime ones. One of the, one of the ones we did bring through to to be a fellow, um, and there was another one that was a finalist. There there were a lot of like like weird things, like there were a lot of estranged fathers dying and leaving the family business to their daughter. But you know, we brought one through as a fellow. You know, yeah. so it's like if you do something. Even if it's been done before, a lot, even if we're seeing a lot of it, if you do it really, really well, then it doesn't matter. Like if you execute it really well, we still want this story.
2: I love that I love
0: that. Well let's talk about pitching because you have you two collectively have sat in on probably a hundred plus pitches in the last two years so so that is such a unique seat to be in, you know, as if, if you're a writer or a producer to be sitting and observing other people's pitches, unless you work in development and you get to be that assistant in the cameras off position, like nobody gets to see this. Um, so, so talk to me about like, I know the biggest, the myths and the myth busting around, uh, around pitching.
2: All right. I would say one thing that I've noticed is that the people hearing pitches want you to succeed. They are friendly people. They have a lot in common with you. They love television. And they're looking for the next big thing. So when you come into that room, they are just hoping that you have a great story for you. So always go into that meeting thinking, all right, I have what they want. I have what they need. This is exciting. Like Don't go into it like you are trying to impress this big, scary person. Like You are going to a meeting with someone that loves TV and wants you to have a great show.
1: The other thing I would say is that these execs are all individual people so they're not all going to respond to your project in the same way and I think it can really throw people off. We really saw this especially in our first accelerator because we didn't know to prepare our fellows for this as much but there will be some people who are laughing and engaged and looking you in the face and and you know just really kind of exciting people to pitch to, right? There are going to be some people who are like super thoughtful, who are taking notes, who are going to ask you really deep questions. There are going to be people who, you know, work in comedy, but don't like crack a smile at anything. There are going to be people who, you know, ask you about really deep character stuff. There are some people who are going to be, I don't know, I could go on and on and on. Everyone like listens to pitches differently because they're all unique individual people. And I think like, what we what we saw is that like sometimes our fellows would go from one pitch to another and they would like read into it a lot more mm. than they maybe should because they don't know that this person, you know, keeps their their laughs to themselves and like chuckles inwardly. They're just thinking that this person doesn't connect. But because we see them hearing pitches from, you know, three or four fellows in a row, like we realize like this is this is how they're they're processing your project. And I think it's like, you know, you have to, you're not a mind reader. You don't know how they're, you know, receiving your work. So you need to be able to put that aside, put the reactions aside. And I don't know, does this make sense? Like, Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. There, you know, there's, there could be a million reasons why somebody didn't laugh at the joke that everyone that all your friends and family that you practice pitching to laugh at it could be something where it's like they feel like if they laugh they will be interrupting your pitch on Zoom they feel like their kid is sleeping in the other room and they don't want to be loud or simply like the the turning it turning the experience inwards cuz like they just have to pay attention cuz they need to they don't get to there there's a bigger you know reason why we do this pitching which is like No writing left behind, which is something that I believe. And Charles, I'll ask Charles Hayne about this in more detail. But I believe the practices, like we're not, we're as writers, we're not really allowed to be like leaving too many materials behind outside of a proper process, which is to protect the writers. So it's the job of the development exec to be able to understand what the show is that you're selling and why you're the person to be telling it and why you want to tell it and why it makes you tick and also the mechanics of the story so they're probably listening and they're listening in real time reacting in real time letting the story be unveiled with the twist that you put in there but they also have to understand like what's the engine of this show and and how will it play and like where would this fit into our slate like they are doing a ton of things and i think generally like when being pitched to you have to be like a plugged-in, attentive audience, almost more so than when you're actually watching something because you have to then be able to write it up to your summary and sell it into your boss and get excited about it. So yeah, I think it's really uh, important to give that context and give the benefit of the doubt. And back to what Tracy said first, like know that they are rooting for you to succeed.
1: Oh, definitely. And I will say the other side of it is that writers, especially when they're new to pitching and it's their first couple pitches, And almost like blackout during the pitch. Like one of our fellows texted me. She had her first pitch. She did really well. The exec asked a lot of thoughtful questions. She gave amazing answers to these questions. Like she, you know, she, she really showed the depth of knowledge she had about her own project and how much she thought about it. But anyway, she texted me after and she's like, oh my gosh, like I bombed that. They hated it. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, well, they didn't ask me any questions. And I was like, wait, what? They asked you like four or five questions. What are you talking about? Yeah. But it's so hard to evaluate your own work. And like, unfortunately, most people don't have someone like watching them to give them like the reality check of like, oh no, remember, like these are the questions they ask you. So you just have to, you know, trust in yourself, I guess.
0: So let's talk about, here we are, January, 2024 what is happening next? And also congratulations on a, a successful rebrand. So can you talk to me about the the new name
2: and, uh, and then what's coming up for the Moonshot Initiative?
0: Sure,
2: yeah. So you just said it. Our new name is Moonshot Initiative. We are a 501c3 officially. We basically... So as we mentioned, we started off with our one program, Women's Weekend Film Challenge. We were very literal about it. And as we grew, we just realized Number one, our community spans the whole gender spectrum. And we were finding that having the term women in our name was really exclusive. And um, we, we wanted people to feel welcomed into our community. So we knew that we wanted a name that didn't have gender hooked to it. And then we also needed a name that encompassed all of our programming and we spent about 3 years coming up with this new name. There's a lot of names that are already taken. There's a lot of names that we loved but we looked on Instagram and there's an account with that name already that has 3 followers. Damn I'm like Ugh. <laughs> But Moonshot it just it came into our laps and it was so perfect because we were just thinking that, like, moonshot just feels like something that's such a big dream, but it's also possible. We've landed on the moon. We're gonna do it again. So gender equity is possible. Yeah. it's it has shot in the name for film shot. It was just it worked out for us. and so we're very excited for the new name. I love it.
1: Yeah, so we our our next step is we are bringing our film challenge back to LA. It'll be our second challenge in LA, which we're really excited for. We are bringing back our pilot accelerator for the next round. We also have courses now. So we've been teaching some month-long courses, like write a pilot in 30 days, um, which brings you from like creating a concept that's going to last 5 seasons and really building it out to writing the entire first draft. We have a revise a pilot in 30 days course. We have a course about pitching your project, which Gigi actually came on to, to show the example of, of your pitch that you were giving during the pilot accelerator. So all the students could see a successful pitch in action. And that's been really fun. It's been like a way that we could bring everything that we've learned from reading, you know, I don't know, how many scripts has it been now? Like 1400 through our, through our pilot accelerator from seeing all of these pitch meetings and just like bringing that back to our community. So that's been fun too. That's
0: so, so exciting. And, I, and I, I've I told you both individually and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the Pilot Accelerator changed my career. It led to me getting a manager. I got to pitch to Netflix and HBO and Blumhouse and a bunch of other places. and And it was so powerful to be able to workshop a, a 10 minute pitch which i think is the perfect length for these types of programs and i've also been on the other side of pitches like i worked as an assistant to a producer and i got to do a lot of development work and yeah it was it was really a game changing community that i was able to access with my cohort people from before but also just in developing my voice and my place as a creative And I love that it's now a workshop in or a lot of the learnings are now in workshop form because this is, you know, it's so easy to just be focusing on the craft of story and screenwriting or the craft of directing. But like at some point you need to sell in these projects and get them made. And and it empowers you as a creative to understand the business of this. And it's a creative thing to be able to tell your story or distill down what you're show is and how you'll tell the story and explore and watch this character grow and change over the course of five seasons or three seasons or is it a mini series like to be able to articulate that that is also really powerful and important so yeah i i definitely recommend it
2: i love hearing that so much thank you i love your. i love that you had a great experience um we had a fellow that said after doing all this pitching it changed the way that she writes So she's no longer writing the script first, she's writing the pitch first. And that helped her to make sure that she was writing something that is marketable, that has a great engine, has great character arcs, everything. And it was so interesting hearing this idea of working on the pitch first. And we've found that with a Pilot Accelerator, we meet so many incredible people and... We wish it could be bigger. We wish there's so many... The the semifinalists and quarterfinalists, we wish we could have them in the program. But we've made this program so personal. We really take a ton of time with each of our fellows that we can't really expand it anymore. And that was one of the reasons why we developed the Pitch Your Project course because we really wanted to share this information, help people that decide that they want to work on the pitch before instead of the writing right now, and really give them all the tools and and one-on-one advice that we can't give them if they can't get into the accelerator yet.
1: Yeah. We found that like so many, not every writer, but there is a subset of writers who they really feel out of place when they have to pitch or when they have to talk about their work. They're like, I didn't get into this because I wanted to be like an extrovert and I wanted to be talking. I got into this because I want to sit and type away in silence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with a candle on or whatever. So that speaks to me.
0: For the candle on? Specifically the candle part.
2: Specifically, I don't
1: know, thing. you know, just creating like that atmosphere where you feel comfortable and homey. I just and, love that it's a candle on, like it sounds yeah. like an electric it's candle. It's a little, <laughs> the switching kind. Instead of a candle burning. You know what? I actually have one of those like, elec- you know, the electric like candle milter things. Yes, so, yes. Anyway, so I it guess it the smell. The
0: you get the candle vibe, but with an electric mm. fire. Yeah, I guess and, I should. And the writers want that too. The writers want that too.
1: Right, right. Uh, we should get like a sponsorship for this. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there I are so many writers who just challenge. want to. Yeah. Candle. <laughs> yeah, moonshot candle. Yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. But regardless the the writers who want to just be writing on their own we do say like you do have to learn how to to pitch one like you're already a storyteller so this is a skill that you have like you don't have to worry that you know you're missing the skills for this because you have it and two you know if you get into a writers room like you have to pitch the whole time you have to be sharing your ideas like you have to be comfortable talking yeah. about your work so you know, it's not like writing a novel where you can just kind of like stay behind the page. Like you have to always be talking about your work, whether you work in film or TV.
0: Yeah. Well, with that, as we wrap up, where can people
1: follow you and where pe- where can people learn more? You can find us on our website, moonshotinitiative.org or on Instagram at moonshotinitiative. Well, thank you both so much for being here and creating this space. and
0: And maybe I'll see you in LA, hopefully. Hopefully soon. And listeners to No Film School, you can like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast at, and on any podcast platform. You can also follow us on social media at No Film School and get more No Film School at nofilmschool.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Tracy and Katrina, for joining us and for this candid conversation. I love the work that you guys do and how you bring people together and the energy you bring towards supporting people in making things. It's so important and it's so exciting. And uh, it just feels like you're making the film industry a better place. And I genuinely mean that. The Moonshot Initiative has a ton of workshops coming up, and they're launching a weekend film challenge based in LA soon. So check out their website and socials for updates when uh, applications come out for the film challenge or the pilot accelerator that I worked on last year. And let us know what you thought of this episode. What were your biggest takeaways? How are you going to apply that to your career? You can get more No Film School, more advice on NoFilmSchool.com. You can also follow us across social medias at NoFilmSchool. And you can send us your emails, podcasts at NoFilmSchool.com. Thank you so much for listening.